Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com, but for now, here is today's episode. All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of what will now be a Health Detective Podcast episode. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will have the privilege of being your host for today's show. Thank you for everyone who waited. We have some very polite people in the chat. Um, I guess because the YouTube pops up, they can see that. I wanted to, oh my gosh, there's 22 of you already. (laughs) I wanted to validate, to be clear, that it was not Lucy who did this. It actually wasn't even intentionally our team. It seems that Restream is this platform that we use to go out to multiple places at once. When you click invite guests now, they actually have a, a thing, Lucy, that says at the bottom, it says like, have your guests like pair with their social media. And so it defaults to on, but it's brand new. So it's a different link versus uh, just Okay, because it was different. And I was like, this so is go. what it normally looks like. <laughs> so there we go. All right. What we're going to be doing today is talking about a day in the life of an FDN practitioner, what it looks like, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, right? We're going to talk about all of that today. I doubt we'll go for a full 50 minutes, but you never know with Lucy and I, we can definitely <laughs> fill up our time. Lucy and I now have that friendship where I, I kind of always compare it to if you guys ever are stuck for whatever reason, the Bluetooth isn't connecting or your you know, aux jack's not working and you have to listen to like 7 or 8 a.m. radio on your car while you're driving. You know, it's just like the host talking about whatever and they're just like funny and they have good rapport. I like to believe that that's us. So we will be talking about something today. It's not going to be nothing. But always, since I don't really get to connect with Lucy outside of our lives, I just want to ask, how are you? Anything new and exciting? What's going on? Hi, I'm I'm doing good. Obviously, we've had some exciting developments in AFDNP with the new FDN Connect and things. I currently have a sty, so that kind of sucks. But apart from that, what is a sty? Yeah, it's like right on my eye here. Oh, I don't it's, know what that means. Oh, it's like you know you get this like I think it's like a buildup of like bacteria, like some bacteria got in my eye oh. and it creates like a little. It's like almost like a white pimple, like on like so it's on my lower eyelid kind of painful yeah (laughs) as you can see so it's not my favorite but apart from that i'm doing great how are you i am doing well thank you for asking we will dive right into what it's like to do a day in the life of an fdn so to be clear i have done the fdn thing on and off for seven years when i say on and off i mean i'll always help out family friends and stuff but i actually used the certification initially i won't say it's the most unique thing in the world because others have done this like benazadi did this i went into speaking right away so that was kind of my exclusive thing for five years and then what's cool is now i have a business locally where you know we're able to take on clients and you know actually utilize fdn services for it so i do more of like the sales and marketing there but i know full uh, firsthand what it's like to have have a day in the life of an FDN. I promise you that. And there's other things that go into it other than just owning your own business or operating for yourself. There's the lifestyle factors, the, the things that you need to upkeep with education-wise as an FDN. And Lucy, you have actually taken a good handful of clients. I know that you're like super busy um, as the executive director of our association now for our graduates, but are you actively taking clients again? Because I know you were talking recently, you're like, well, maybe I'll get the Instagram going once more. 
I, I, I'm not right now. Honestly, AFTNP is just taking up like all my time, but I was full time as an AFTN for about 18 months before joining nice. um, AFTN. So I do like it as a, as an employee. So I do have a pretty, pretty decent grasp of what it's like day to day to run your own business, to take on clients, to literally wear all the hats of any company ever just yourself so it it is a lot uh it's a big journey awesome and this is going to be a much more interactive one not that we haven't been interacting with uh, with you guys on these live podcasts but normally i try to wait maybe 20 25 minutes and then we'll start going to the audience uh today's a very different day we've done podcasts with lucy before and plenty of lives obviously so if you guys have questions we'll prioritize them otherwise i kind of had a vision in my head of how this can go today i'm almost thinking about like the different stages of you know your FDN journey. So there is the you know training phase, there is the recent graduate phase, there is oh my gosh, I got my first couple clients phase and then oh. there's the wow, I'm actually I'm doing this thing phase. And then there's like the super high level phase. I've never personally uh, done it at that level, but I do know a lot of FDNs who have been doing this full time for, you know, 8, 9, even 12 years. Jen Maleka, who got me involved in FDN has been doing this for 12 years. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't know every little detail about their life obviously. That'd be kind of strange. Uh, but I do know enough to probably give you guys some insights. So I do see even by the names, we actually have some active trainees on. So maybe we won't spend too much time with that today. But I think we have to address it to some degree, Lucy, because of course, there's going to be people watching today that haven't done the course. And they probably want to know what that journey is like, too. So when you were going through the course, uh, what did life look like for you? And then I'll share what it looked like for me. So it was a mixture of excitement and and fear. <laughs> and like, because you feel like so much is riding on the course and you're just, you're so excited to go through it, which is great because it gives you that motivation to keep going. And obviously for a lot of people, myself included, I don't know how you would do it, but you know, you're doing it alongside your, you know, your regular job. Mm-hmm. And at that point, so I was studying most evenings it was a few years ago. I, I I don't think it was every day, but a, a few times a week I would spend, you know, several hours sitting and going through course content and then learning it because obviously you can't just go over the, these things once. You've got to kind of go, go, go over them several times. So it was this, it was a period of excitement, like being excited, like loving what I was learning, like so interested in it. And also this like, fear that I wasn't doing enough I wasn't doing it fast enough you know I was going to get behind somehow those kind of fears that we just kind of play in our head but I went through the course in about I think I was eight months mm-hmm. how long did you take to do it uh two you did it in two months <laughs> okay there's some asterisks on that so I'll explain it when <laughs> I, I don't I'm like, damn it I don't lie ever live but I'm gonna they'll get mad at me for even saying that so we'll explain that in a moment your results may vary. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, it was my eight months, which I think is about average was, you know, it, it was, it was really good because I, I started to feel like I was really beginning to like contribute to something bigger than me. And that is because I originally wanted to do the course just to heal myself. I was like, screw it. I'm going to do this. If it only heals me, that's fine. But from what I was like learning, it was giving me motivation to get out there and help other people. So it was really, it was exciting. 
Yes. So you cannot do the course in two months anymore. I promise. No matter how hard you try. (laughs) There's some reasons for this. And someone said, I saw a recent question about how to actually get clients. So yeah, when we're going through these phases, um, I think that one will fit in perfectly to, hey, you're a fresh FDN grad. What does that look like? Um, So right now, continuing on the training side, I, I, I do admit I had a unique situation at the time. I just got back from California. I don't know if I ever told you that epic journey, but basically I... I knew I was getting better with my health issues. I was learning about natural health and I grew up and still live in Pennsylvania. And I always had it in my head that all like the natural people, all the hippies I said at the time live on the West coast. And I actually can, this is a true story. I actually convinced my best friend to go with me to California, like indefinitely. Uh, We ended up being out there for like four or five months to one, have an epic journey as friends. But two, I said, dude, I really want to figure this out. And I'm so close. I know I can do this. I got to get around the right people. And he called me back the next day and he said, yo, I put in my two weeks at my job. Let's go. And we even like, that's best friend. This is like third grade best friend. And we went out together and I started going to random health meetups. And that's how I found Jen Maleka. And so I found Jen at this thing. I get involved with the course. So you can already tell that this is a different situation than most people. Um, I get back home. I was doing a little bit of the course out in San Diego, but I ended up getting back home to Pennsylvania and I was working at my parents' restaurant at the time. This was at 21 and three, four days into being back home, I broke my foot uh, playing like pickup basketball at the YMCA. Like I was so excited to be back. I loved playing these people shatter my foot three or four days in. And it was like bad enough where I couldn't do anything. I mean, I couldn't even really stand on it for long periods. They had the boot crutches. They said, sit and, you know, raise it as much as you can. The relevance of that to this, I promise this is going somewhere, is that I was basically bound to my bed and bound to my computer chair. And my parents were like super supportive. I wasn't making that much money at the restaurant anyway. I was just doing basic stuff. So they're like, okay, like you'll be good. We can figure this out. We love that you're doing this. Just fly through it. Let's go. And I'm a bit of a nerd. So just just a bit, if that's not obvious. And I can sit with something I like for very long periods of time and still you know, actually retain something. So I was doing this without exaggeration, probably eight hours a day, five to seven days a week. And I would just sit there and buff out FDN. And it got me done in two months. Now they have different ways that they do the practicals, guys. They force you to take seven weeks to do the practicals now. That wasn't, it was a free for all seven years ago. You could just go and hammer this out as fast as you wanted to. And then um, thank God they changed that because uh, jokes aside, and I'm not just saying this to be professional, the downside of that is no matter how much you think you can retain, when you fly through it in two months and you didn't spend like, you know, six to seven or eight months with the material, Right. It doesn't stick with you the same way. So I ended up having to go back for a lot of different things. So what does it look like for the average person? It's it's more Lucy's story. People have full-time jobs. Uh, we have a lot of stay-at-home moms with kids. They'll go through the course as well. But then on the opposite end, we have MDs that are working 50, 60 hours a week and still finishing the FDN thing. So the way that it's designed is that it takes eight and a half months on average. We say on average because it is self-paced. And we always say that's generally speaking, given that the person can do eight to 12 hours a week. So so that seems like actually a pretty big range. If you look at that, that's a 50% difference. So why would it be so dramatic? Well, the eight hours a week might be someone with that MD background. If you've learned all the sciencey terms before, there's nothing new per se in FDN. I mean, some of the natural stuff would be new, but you know the terms, you're just getting a new perspective. So that's why it'd be easier. Then that 12 hour one might be someone like myself that had one health coaching certification before this, no real formal college. Okay. There you go. Right. I didn't even have any real formal college. So some of these words, 
a lot of the words I was hearing and learning for the first time. And that's when it, you know, might take you those 11, 12 hours a week to do that. Mm -hmm. So you deal with our graduates a lot. Do you think it's fair to say that the vast majority have at least part-time work while they're doing FDN? I feel mostly it's full-time. I feel it's mostly full-time. Yeah. I I would say that is the majority. Like you said, the other kind of key demographic would be like stay at home moms, but obviously they don't have much time either. So everyone is trying to fit, fit it in, in evenings and, and at weekends, basically. Yeah. So as a trainee, it looks like your life right now with, you know, and two hours a day dedicated basically to studying um, could be a little less or more. That's what's cool about self-paced. We might have people sometimes, they don't really do anything on the weekdays and then they'll grind out, you know, four or five hours um, on a Saturday and a Sunday. It's completely up to you and how you want to make it work. Um, if you want to a- ask like more questions about that, you can always go to fdntraining.com and click on our chat button or fdntraining.com slash call and see if it would work with your situation. But it is a really rare day where I talked to someone where it wouldn't work into their schedule. I just talked to this. She's a 20 year old girl. Talked to her yesterday. And I say it like that because I remember um, I was cool at one point. Uh, I was 21 when I graduated. And so I was the youngest, but this was also FDN was a little smaller back then. So it's like, you know, you're the youngest out of a very small group of people. And so she's 20. She's finishing up her degree in psychology. She's about to pursue nursing afterwards. And she's working as a medical assistant. And I'm like, I actually said, I'm like, hey, do you think you're ever going to have enough time for this? She's like, well, you know, this is fine. (laughs) Like, okay. So the point is you can make it work if you want it to work. Yeah. Get through the course. You become a fresh graduate and now you are scared. You're running around in the world saying, how do I get clients? At least, you know, 85% of people do that. There's some real rock stars at the top 15% that are like, all right, I'm going to go crush this right away. Or they might've already had businesses with personal training clients prior or health coaching clients prior. So for them, it's as simple as adding this onto their business for, I would, I would imagine or even, I would say, I know a majority of our FDN graduates are getting into business for the first time, or they're getting into business seriously for the first time. And that can be pretty intimidating. So Lucy, I'll throw this one to you first. Like when you first graduated, uh, what were you thinking? Because I know that you had, uh, well, have technically a successful Instagram. Did you already have that? Were you building that up before? No, I built that up once I became an FDN. Okay. So I was working in marketing. So I did have that little bit of an advantage, but I don't want that to like, you know, oh my goodness, I don't have a a background in marketing. I'm not going to be able to do it. Like that is not the case because there's actually support for you when you come out of, when you graduate, essentially, if you are completely new, don't know what you're doing. But I was fortunate that I, I did have that background. I had been doing marketing for 10 years or so, specifically digital. So that, you know, I had like the background knowledge in place to kind of, transition that to my entrepreneur journey essentially so the first part of me graduating was actually me starting to put those pieces into place one thing I will say though is you don't have to wait to graduate before you start building and that is actually something that I did I wasn't as active as I could been but I, I did start to put things out there like talking about what I was learning talking about how it was helping me and my journey and that is actually probably one of the best like tools that you can utilize prior to graduating I would personally I would say 
100% agree with this. I swear this actually just came up last night because you know, being 20, um, I shouldn't say every 20 year old hasn't had their own business. That's certainly the majority. And so I guessed that correctly with this girl. And she was like, I'm really interested in doing my own business. And I'm looking into adding on the business school. But do you have any tips for someone like me? And the tip that I always give, and it's a formula to me, it's very simple to break down is when you start going through the course, if I could look back and do this and tell me if this is on par with what you meant, Lucy, I always say the second that you start that course, I would schedule out 30 minutes at the end of the week. And what you're going to do at the 30 minutes at the end of the week could be Saturday, Sunday, Monday, doesn't matter, whenever the end of the week is for you. And I would take that time to reflect on something that I learned in the course that I thought was really interesting, that was cool to me, that I think would be cool to others. And I would just post about it. So there's no selling. There's no book a call here. There's no, it's this price. It's Okay, H. pylori is a basic and easy one. So H. pylori is something that Western medicine recognizes, is involved with a lot of stomach ulcers. It can cause stomach pain. It can be associated with neuroinflammation and cystic acne. And it's in probably 50% of you know, Eastern America, definitely Africa, I think is the exact area that is 50%. But what we see is it's supposed to be like 20, 30% in America. And we see it a lot more than that in sick people. I'll tell you that much. Right. So that's interesting to some degree, not to everyone, but to some degree. So I would make a post saying, have you ever had stomach ulcers? You guys won't believe what I just learned this week. And that's not gonna, that's like casting a net, right? And you're not gonna catch all the fish with that. Not everyone has had stomach ulcers. You're gonna get me to pay attention. I have had a stomach ulcer. And so now I'm reading this and I'm like, wow, you know, thanks Lucy. That was really cool. Every week I would be doing that. Now you took eight months to graduate. That's a little actually under the average. It's eight and a half months right now, even nine months, I think to graduate. So if you spent eight months, just once a week in those months, doing some type of post that's interesting, never asking for money, never asking for the call. Then what I would be doing is the week that I was about to graduate, I would say, hey guys, you know how I've been going through this training the whole time and sharing these tips with you? Well, I'm doing half off consultations for everyone that books in with me. The first call's free. It's just to see if you even want to do this book here. And listen, man, you might get your grandma. She might book in, you know, to do something with you. It might only be a few people, but it served you in multiple ways. One, if you actually get some clients off that for a discounted price, that's great. Because the exchange for the discount is you're going to leave me a review and start helping me build my credibility. Two, you're going to get some referrals from those people because that's one of the easiest ways FDNs get referral, uh, get business is by doing good work with people. And then they send us referrals. And then three, even if you didn't get any calls that day, that's the first time you asked. What you've really been doing is spending eight months having people reassociate who you are because maybe you're an accountant right now. Nothing wrong with being an accountant, but they don't see you as a health person. So right. now you've been teaching your friends and family for eight months or however many months that I'm the health person. I'm someone that you can go to when you have some questions about things. I'm someone that can help you in a holistic way. So I apologize for a long-winded answer, but with your digital marketing background, what do you think about that? Because that's what I tell these people that go through the course. No, I I I agree with everything you said. I think you <laughs> I think scheduling the time to do that, like if you are committed to turning this into a business, then like you were saying, scheduling the time, which I did not. Um, so I wasn't as consistent as I could have been. But within that eight months, I think I grew, I, don't know, I had like 300 followers and I grew to like two and a half thousand. And that was before I was even, you know, actively like taking on clients. Mm -hmm. And I related it, all of the content that I was learning, I related it back to my niche. So getting yourself set up early with the direction that you think you're going to go in is also really powerful. Now, most people will go, they'll follow their story, right? So whatever they're dealing with is normally what we're most interested in naturally because we want to heal that. 
talking about that because it's relevant to ourselves is a lot easier than trying to pick random bits of information in the course right. because it can also be really confusing for people like if you're if you pick several different topics and you're like oh this thing about gut health and this thing about hormones if you're bringing it in and streamlining it back to what you know what you want to talk about like your your issues people relate to that it lights people up. They're interested. If it's relevant to them, they'll want to know more. And it's like that ripple effect, kind of like what you were saying with the referrals. Mm -hmm. It happens as well with social media. So it's kind of like this, this ripple effect and you'll just gradually start to, to attract people. And I think also I want to mention that I think a lot of us get disheartened when we come out of the course because you, you graduate. It's so exciting. You're like, oh my God, like I've changed so much. I've healed so much. I'm going to help so many people. But even if you have started setting up, you know, putting things in place like Instagram, talking about things like social media posts, like whatever your, your social platform is, people aren't, like you say, people are not, you know, they might be used to Evan, the accountant, not Evan, the health detective. Right. So it's, it's getting people to, to see you in a new way. And also, it's that adjustment from giving out a bunch of free content to asking people for the sale, which can also, it, that can be tricky. That is definitely something I see a lot of our grads have to, I don't want to say get over. Maybe you can think of a nicer word for that, but you essentially, you do, you kind of have to get over the whole like, oh, I don't want to be pushy and I don't want people to see me. Like, you know, this is, especially when you're first starting out, it might be just like, family and friends you want to be constantly selling to your grandma and it feels kind of icky so growing in that way as well is really important and and get it but you have to put in the practice to do it so there are kind of a few challenges when you come out the gate like once you graduate like getting good at sales getting good at putting yourself out there and really knowing like what direction that you, you're going in those are kind of my focuses and they really help me grow my confidence, start getting clients, start getting referrals and kind of build that business so that I could go full time and quit yeah. my new job. <laughs> I love what you said about making it specific because I actually, you know, I shouldn't speak so loosely. I forget that there's people on here that, you know, they might even be taking notes. They might not have a background in marketing and stuff, or I don't have a background in it, but I've learned so much from FDN and now I studied it on my own. I think it's fascinating. Mm. One great thing that you said was about making sure that it's like relevant to something streamlined or, you know, your conditions or your own journey, right. because yeah, no saying one week, Hey, H pylori for stomach ulcers. And then the next week is, Oh, gluten can cause mental health issues or whatever it might be. You know, that is cool and it's interesting, but it can eventually be disconnected. And I really wouldn't recommend that um, except for a select few. There's these massive brands that were starting before most of us were even interested in this. Like Dr. Eric Berg can get on there and make content about anything at this point. Okay. He dominates the space. You're not going to get noticed at this point unless you really relate to a specific audience and they know that you're for them. I, you know, I like the youth mental health speaking stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I haven't gotten on and like actually bought something in forever regarding speaking. And these guys just got me the other day because they advertised specifically to youth speakers. Everywhere else says we can help you with everything with speaking, you know? And with these guys, I'm like, huh, you know, I might as well check this out. And I got on the phone and 
they might get a credit card for me soon <laughs> because, you know, yeah. I like what they're doing. Now, the funniest part is they probably do the same damn thing that all the other people do, but it's the specificity of the marketing that helped me yeah. out there. So yeah, you should share your journey as you're going along. I should have <laughs> looking back. It's like, oh my God, where my skin was, I had, for those that don't know, I had bad skin issues. I really wish I just documented it like literally every week. And guess what? That's uncomfortable. Uh, that can require being vulnerable, but Lucy, I think you said it best, just something that people are going to have to get over and get through. And it's not to be blunt or meant in a harsh way, but that's kind of how this is. You know, business people need to be a little thicker skinned and tough. Um, You can't feel bad, especially about the selling process, especially if you're doing it ethically. That's how you should do sales. I actually, I have at least one person. I have Lisa on here. So Lisa was someone that I signed up for the course and I hope she could vouch for this. It's when I was doing the sales with FTN, you're qualifying them by asking them questions to figure out what are you trying to go for in life right now? What's going on? Can we actually help you? That's what you're always thinking in the back of your head. So you qualify before you push, quote unquote. If they're not a good fit for FDN, you don't push anything. You say, hey, this isn't a good fit. I think you should go over here. Or maybe I think you should sit, take some time off or whatever. So you only push when you know you can genuinely help the person. Mm-hmm. And in that, I would actually argue that it's unethical not to push because if you know that you can help the person and they're in pain and they're severely struggling, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, and you have the answer right here, that you know you don't want to be obnoxious, but there is a time to push a little harder and say, "No, come join us, come get on this ship, um, we can help you out." You know what I mean? Yeah, when you know you can help, I think it's important mm-hmm. to be firm about that. Yes. All right. So we talked about the trainee. We talked about the fresh spring chicken graduate running around with their head cut off, all scared. Let's talk about the one that might have just gotten their first client. And we can even you know, take a few steps back and just say, what might they have done to get that first client? Believe it or not, you do not need 100,000 followers on Instagram, a completely done for you website you know, that cost five grand, a nice Facebook page, the most beautiful headshots and like pictures of you laughing on the beach that you had to take a hundred times to succeed in this. Oh, and don't forget a top podcast. You don't need that. You could just you know, get some people from your network first or do small talks and get that moving. So you got your clients, it sounds almost like exclusively from social media. So that was the route you took. Is that correct? Instagram. Yeah. Cool. So I had five years previous to that, I had decided that I was going to be a mindset coach for because my thing is mental health. So I help people with their mental health. But originally, I wanted to help people with their mindset around like anxiety and panic attacks. So I had tried that and I did everything that basically you were just talking about. I was like, I had the fancy website. I had the pretty photos, all the branding and none of it matters. I mean that from the bottom of my heart, none of it matters. What matters is your content and your consistency. And I truly believe that and and, and your sales, obviously. When I got my first client, it was literally from me posting on so on Instagram every day. I was posting on my stories. I was talking. I was showing my face. I wasn't just talking about anxiety. That was the bulk of it. But I was also letting people into my real life, so, you know, so they could see who I was, so that they would like and you know get to know me and trust me, because people, you know, buy each other essentially. So. I think when we, you know, we can get really confused with having to look perfect. I still see it a lot in AFDNP. People are like, I haven't done my website yet, so I'm not taking clients. And I'm like, no, you don't need a website to take clients. You really, really don't. I know that sounds like, especially in the world that we live in today, everything is online. 
but you don't. It's your website is not crucial to you helping people like you are. Like that's essentially with your knowledge of FDN, that's that's what you need basically in a platform to speak to someone on Zoom, like whatever it is. And that is how I got my clients just from posting on, you know, choose your social media platform, be consistent, even when it's hard and you feel like no one is paying attention, because a lot of people are paying attention. They just don't want to engage because, you know, they, I don't know, people get funny about like liking posts and commenting and stuff like that. So don't think that nobody is listening and keep going with the consistency. The other stuff the fancy photos, the website, the branding, all of that you can do once you start getting those systems in place that are working for you. Because I feel like at the beginning, when you start getting clients, it's very different to when you have a consistent stream of clients coming in. Because that process is more like streamlining what's working for you and getting better at that. Whereas the start is more finding what's working for you, like finding your way, finding your processes that work. and Mine was Instagram and content and going live and things like that. I think sometimes people can find it hard to believe that in today's world, you can't do it without a business or, or sorry, without a website or whatever. And I think people forget that websites didn't even exist, you know, five decades ago. And so, well, actually, we're getting really late. There, there might have been someone out there doing something at that point, I guess. I should look that up. But let's say 100 years, there definitely was no websites, right? And so what I'm saying is businesses still existed hundred years ago, right? Mm-hmm. There's always a way to do it. It's also not to say, just to be clear, that if you had a million bucks to blow and you could just give, you know, 20 grand away to just say, hey, make my website perfect, make some content for me, whatever. No, that would be good to start out with. It would increase credibility. It's not an excuse not to get started though. This is not a one in 100 game. It's like 60% of people have something going on now, some type of chronic health condition, which is insane. And I think 40% of those people have two or more conditions. So it's there's no shortage of people to talk to about this. And if it gives you a different perspective and helps you open your mind to what's possible, I got my first clients by going out and giving some talks. I also did post on my personal Facebook page. This is not an account I was growing for a specific reason. This is the same Facebook, you know, that I flirted with chicks on in middle school back in the day, right? And I'm just posting now and all of a sudden they want to, you know, buy some lab testing and coaching calls with me. So you can use it for both just by being transparent and sharing your story. But I also did talks and people like, what did you talk about? I just talked about stuff that I learned that I liked that I thought would be useful to other people. And I think this is the big trouble. It's the big hurdle for people. It's the mindset shift from maybe working a job to going to the entrepreneurial side is when we're at a job, the ideal thing for us is usually, okay, give me the structure, give me the tasks to execute. And then I go do them. You know, sometimes in business, it's not that there's not structure or steps to follow. Sometimes you just got to go do it. You just Mm -hmm. wing it. And guess what? Sometimes it sucks when you do that. (laughs) And then other times it's amazing. And you're like, how did I pull that off? And it worked really well. So it's getting in to a whole different mindset and perspective of like, I just got to go do stuff. What would at least get me in the game with people or start talking to them? You got to put yourself out there. So whether that's social media, whether you somehow have the money to be doing paid ads and you're hiring someone to do that, if you don't have a background in it or you're giving talks, what I know for sure is that no one can ever buy your services if you don't put yourself out there. If they don't know you exist, they cannot buy your services by definition. That's not going to work. So you might be thinking that you need to set all that stuff up. But really, the only thing you need to be thinking is how do I let more people know that I exist and that this is what I do? And there's many ways to do that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. There's many ways to uh, to do that. Now, let's say 
I'm a few clients in. So now we'll move, we'll call it a different stage. It's kind of like, you know, the FDN that is making enough that maybe they're almost even considering, wow, a few months from now, I might be able to leave the full-time job that I got. So now things are moving in. What might a day in the life look like for them? What would they have to do if they have five clients or 10 clients or even, you know, 15 clients on their plate, as opposed to one that, you know, kind of bought something from them because they felt bad and they might be your mom. (laughs) Or your grandma. Yes, yes. <laughs> so for someone that is getting pretty consistent business, this is probably the time where you're going to look at how can I scale this? How can I do more of the things that are working? That's when you might want to put like some systems, like automated systems in place. So when I was like, you know, when I had, I think had around 10 clients at once, I my day was mostly split between calls so calls with the clients, I would maybe, I would normally only do like three at a max because that's like three hours and they always run over because I can't say no, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's on me. And then you also, after each call, you want to take some time to like, you know, compile your notes. And if you need to make any changes to supplement protocols and things like that, then you have to go through that. There's also labs that need to be analyzed that's not always daily but you know on a full day you're going to be looking at several labs and then also you need to dedicate time to creating content because it's i and again i see this in afdnp people kind of get they do the stop start thing so they get like five clients and then they get so busy with the clients that they forget that they need more clients for when those clients finish their program so they kind of well said they don't stop marketing, but it does take a backseat. It's not a priority because, you know, you want to help your clients and that is great, but you do need to remember that you need more clients coming in. So dedicating some, you know, an hour a day, something like, you know, whatever works for you, whatever your schedule allows, whether you're working at like a full-time job or not, creating content, mapping out your content. What is your content going to look like this month? Where are you going to post? Like, you know, whatever, or, you know, what speaking events are you doing? Things like that. You have to keep consistent with that to make sure that you are getting those consistent clients in. So at that point, it's, it's really a balancing act between dealing with the clients that you have and making sure you make time for marketing and content. Yeah. And there's many ways to do this, guys. This is like a multi-podcast series in and of itself for this stage if we were really going to dive deep into it. But what I might also add is this type of person's probably going to be studying a little bit different things than they were before. So as before, you might have just been reading the health books, and that's great. Now you might add a marketing book to the shelf. You might add a sales process book. And I would just start with some uh, basic stuff, just have a system for things. There is a a book called You Can't Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike at a Seminar. And it it's a funny title, but it's actually a sales system. And it teaches you the different stages of the sales call. It's ethical selling. It's selling for people who actually need your product, not using something to manipulate into someone into buy, someone buying something that they don't need. We're not doing stuff like that, right? Especially as health coaches, that is a very bad idea. And if you try that as a health coach, just remember you're working with those people one-on-one. So they will figure you out eventually. And then you got a double problem on your hands for that. So you need some type of system for that. I really like marketing funnels. I am a big like, I like Russell Brunson stuff from ClickFunnels. People might not even know what that is, but you need some digital marketing thing. You want to learn that and you just start somewhere. There's a, I don't know if I, I should even say it's a quote, but I heard somewhere that most, these like gurus kind of agreed that if you 
if you read three books, like really read three books on almost any subject, you'd already know more than a lot of the population on that thing. And that's not to say that the greats wouldn't know way more than you. Obviously, you can't just read three books on the piano and expect to know more than a famous pianist. That would make no sense. However, if you even just think about what I said, if you just read three sales books or three marketing books, how many people are ever going to do that? right? There, no one is probably ever going to do that. The vast majority don't even care enough to do that. So you're going to be a step ahead and that's going to help you. So that's what you want to start doing is maybe looking into some courses that do that, uh, buying some books that can help you there or hiring a coach, uh, finding a good business coach that helps health coaches specifically. Uh, we have a lot in our network and there's plen- plenty that are outside of our network that we would recommend, or you can just go find on your own. You don't have to do anything through us. So I would say that is kind of the phase that they're in. And you're probably excited as crap, uh, maybe a little stressed out because you got this full-time job still, but now you're also with the client side, right? So you got this kind of overload. Now, Lucy, this is there's really no rule of thumb here. I think it depends a lot on what the person's comfortable with, but you made the leap at one point. So what do you think is the amount, and we can just say in percentages, I guess, what is the amount that someone needs to justify leaving a full-time job uh, for their business? Like, how do you know? Because that's really the final stage here to a degree. And then that stage can be, you know, novice or advanced, I suppose. But, you know, when do you know it's time to leave the job and go do what you love? That, yeah. So I would say that is obviously different for everyone. I know practitioners that wouldn't, didn't want to leave till they were making like twice, three times their salary. I was more than happy to leave once I matched my salary that I was making in marketing because I was so done with it. (laughs) So I was like, as soon as I could, I was kind of out of there. So for me, I would say like, you know, as long as you're making the amount that you were making in a full-time job and you can support yourself and, you know, you have like a goal to to keep going and and you know like you say whether it's getting coaching and putting some systems in place that are going to help you increase your your income but everybody is different and i'm sure everyone has a very different opinion on this to me what about you what would you i've never even well i have made with like speaking especially i have made the leap with these things so yeah i <sighs> It's not even the percentage, right? That might not have been the right way to say it. From I shouldn't have worded the question that way because if you're making seventy five k a year, but you live on thirty five, right. you know that there's a huge difference there. So, are we talking we're paycheck to paycheck or whatever it is going on? I kind of did it based on time, like when I was actually wasting time doing the other things. That's when things really shifted for me. So I remember I didn't have a college background, so it was kind of hard for me to do anything serious other than like odd jobs or sales uh, while pursuing this stuff. So there was a time where I was literally like driving for Uber one day. And the very next day I'd go out and give two assembly speaking gigs to a school. And then there was another time where I was doing the same thing with the speaking, but the alternate days I was delivering for Amazon. So I was like full entrepreneur mode. Like I would go do that four or five days a week and then speak two or three days a week. It was kind of awesome because the mix was like so crazy. But what would happen is the speaking would pick up and, you know, now the speaking wasn't two or three days a week. It's like, oh my gosh, it's four or five or, oh, holy cow. I've said no to speaking gigs two or three times this month just to maintain my job. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a very personal thing. It depends on how much you don't like the job. Uh, Nothing wrong with Amazon or Uber, I guess, but I didn't really like that stuff. I wanted to, well, I liked them both in different ways. I liked the Uber one because I talk to people endlessly and there's nothing better than the driver who just doesn't (laughs) shut up, right? Like you guys are forced to listen to me now. This is better than the podcast. Um, (laughs) 
And Amazon, it was obviously you're by yourself all day, but I would just listen to personal development audios all day or I do audible and listen to books. And so I buff through books in like two days because you got eight hours a day. And so there, there's a time and place for that stuff. But if you really hate the job, then I might take the risk on the business, you know, a little sooner. If your job's sitting at like an eight out of 10, man, I would milk that as long as I could. I'd probably stick around that until maybe the the business was one and a half or two X what the income from the job is. And, and it's a good plan. So there's no right or wrong answer to it. If you have a coach at this phase, I would probably ask them that because they might know your situation better. Right. But yeah, don't be stupid. Don't do something that's going to create more stress. And also don't do things for temporary things. If your business has been at like, like let's say you have a salary of $6,000 a month and your business has been at 3,000, 3,000, 3,000, and all of a sudden it was 7,000 one month, I wouldn't go tell your boss to F off the next month. <laughs> you know, like make sure there's some, as much as you might want to, uh, make sure there's no consistent, or make sure there is consistency in the income that's coming in, not just one great month. You're like, peace out. And then it's, right. it's back on again. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna so, say, don't match your salary one month and then be like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, you write the letter and stuff, leave it on the desk, <laughs> and, and then you're writing them a different letter right back. Right. So, okay. I would still consider this in probably the latter or the last phase that we were talking about, which was the person who is considering leaving the job. Um, we'll call it the same thing. It is the person who's left the job. And it's the person who actually is a full-time FDN because that's what they want to do. And we have so many graduates like that. It's like the coolest thing. It's really impressive too. They're all hustlers, man. They all get it done. And they know just as much, if not more sometimes about business than they do the health thing. They've really made it a dedicated area of study. And I would say the life for them looks like, just because again, I know quite a few that this is all they want to do and this is all they choose to do. It's very structured. They learned how to manage themselves. They don't need an external source telling them you need to be here at this time and here at this time. You know, They're able to get on the Google calendar and put in a time, say that they're going to do something and actually show up for themselves or their clients for that reason. And I think they have to learn how to manage their time in a different sense, meaning that you don't want to go 80 hours a week as a health coach. You can make some great income doing that, but you're not going to be healthy very long uh, pushing those types of hours, right? So you're connected as the director of AFDMP with some of our best and most successful graduates. So uh, how can we take this a little deeper? What does a day in the life look like for them? I mean, like you say, it is very, very structured. And I think the great thing about when you get to that point as well, you can do more of the things that you love and less of the things that you don't enjoy. Like you have employees. So you can almost within reason, obviously cherry pick what you, what you do and, and you don't want to do. You've, you've got to a point where you've like automated things. We're talking about like the funnels, the sales funnels we were talking about. You can also have things on evergreen funnel which is essentially an automated funnel where you are making sales while you sleep like you don't even need to do anything so they would probably have all these systems in place so mm-hmm. that part of it kind of takes the pressure off but then obviously you've got to keep that consistency going and you've still got to be focused on all of the things so your marketing your branding getting the clients being client facing but i i I do think that it's great that you can kind of do less of the things you don't enjoy so much. So for me, that would be like sales calls and <laughs> writing content for emails and things. And you can employ people to do those for you. 
That's a really good point because that that is a, a privilege that comes with getting to that next level. I think in the beginning, it's crazy because you're doing like a bunch of stuff you don't like almost at two places, right? You got the whole job that you don't want to be doing and then you're doing stuff in the business that you don't want to do. But the trade-off for that, because most people won't do that, right? Most people aren't like the practitioners that go through this or other programs and want to become entrepreneurial. You got to do some things you don't like. And then the trade-off for that is one day you're going to be doing almost things that you only like. And I know some people say you always have to do things you hate or whatever. I haven't fully experienced that. And a lot of the stuff that when I was uh, consistently doing the speaking, I had it set up with a nonprofit where they sent me an email, said, can you be here at this time, this date? I click yes. I show up with my laptop and flash drive. I do the speech. I leave. I invoice. That I mean, I'm like, this is about as good as it can get in terms of the situation for me. So, but guess what? It took a while to get to that. It took the same times when I was doing speaking gigs one day and Amazon delivery the next uh, yeah. to get to that place. So that can happen with health coaching as well. Jen, the person like I mentioned who got me into this, you know, she's like the queen of systems and just organization and keeping things where they should be. And so she has this thing so set up that she has hired other people to do everything she doesn't want to do. And she spends almost her entire 30, 40 hours a week just taking clients. That's a lot of clients to take in 30, 40 hours a week. But one, she loves it. And two, it allows her to increase her impact and her income. So these are things that can happen. I would say that anyone that's in this phase too, they're constantly improving. Um, if you even got to this phase, you're probably just someone that's not comfortable like you're always wanting to get more out of life, not because you're greedy. It's not because of that. It's just because you know what you could be and you're, you're never fully satisfied, right? You can be happy, but not fully satisfied. You're like, I got to go do something more and push for greater. So I would say that's what the life's like for them. And that's, yeah. um, you know, that's far out for a lot of the people watching this. They probably wanted to hear more today about the training side and the postgraduate side, like when you're fresh. So I hope that we provided something useful for that. And amazingly, Lucy, here we are 45 minutes in with our morning talk show. <laughs> you know, we could just kill it with this. So hopefully you guys like this today. We got 32 live at the time of saying this. So we appreciate you being on. Lucy, you got any final words of wisdom for today or maybe just stages that we missed anything that I didn't cover? Words of wisdom, keep going. Seriously, because there will be some points in your journey where you just feel, what am I doing? This is a waste of time. I'm wasting other people's time. I'm wasting my own. And you're not. It's unfortunately an entrepreneurial journey is not linear. There's a lot of downs. There's a lot of ups, but there are a lot of downs. And especially at the beginning, the downs can feel very down. <laughs> so I think it's important to know that you're not alone join AFDNP so that you have all the, you know, have people that can support you through that and keep going. And I'd also like to say someone put who else loves nutrition. I love nutrition. <laughs> and Christopher said, thanks for the golden nuggets of wisdom, fellow holistic scholar champions. Wow. All right. Well, you know, I'm about to crush my next call now, Christopher. Thank you for those wonderful adjectives. I appreciate that. Well, Wow, I haven't been in school in a while. Okay, let's get off before I start mixing up my adjectives and nouns. Lucy, it's been fun as always. We love you guys. If you watch this afterwards, feel free to drop some comments or questions and we will happily get back to you. Thank you so much. Bye, guys.